Welcome to the Cost of Not Paying Attention, hosted by nationally recognized speaker Janine Hamner Holman. Janine knows what it takes to attract and retain world class talent. Join her here each week on the Cost of Not Paying Attention as we use brain science, leadership, management, and real life challenges managers face to explore the places where we aren't paying attention. Welcome to the cost of not paying attention. I'm your host, Janine Hamner-Holman. What am I paying attention to today? The opportunity of purpose. I spent the first almost 20 years of my professional life working for nonprofit organizations, first as a fundraiser and then as a development director which in the world of nonprofits, those are the people who direct the fundraisers, and then as a chief operating officer. And one of the things that I am finding fascinating that's happening today in the world of work, obviously, social change nonprofits, which is the kind of nonprofit that I was working for, they are very purpose-driven. And in fact, most nonprofits are very purpose-driven. And today, what most people are looking for at work is a feeling of purpose, a feeling of belonging, a feeling of being known and seen and connected to something bigger than ourselves. So whatever we're up to, let's get conscious and purposeful about talking about why in the world it is that we are doing the things that we do. I do this podcast as part of my organization, the J&J Consulting Group. And what we're up to at the J&J Consulting Group is having the world of work be one in which everyone can thrive. So I was hearing the other day a hospital CEO talking about the difference between having somebody who's cleaning the floors have the mindset of, I'm cleaning the floors, versus the mindset of, I am making our floors shine to help my patients heal faster. Who's going to be more engaged in their work? Who's going to love what they do? Who's going to have that sense of pride in a job well done? And how is that then going to affect everything else that happens in the organization? So this brings me right to my guest for today. I am so thrilled to introduce you to Jillian Deming. Jillian is a problem solver and entrepreneur with over 10 years of business development experience, amplifying the impact of mission-focused nonprofits. She just recently launched Purpose with Profit, Unlock 
earned revenue to fuel your impact. How great does that sound, y'all? Purpose with profit. Hot. So this book is a must-have guide. It's available on Amazon. And it is especially for nonprofits, but really any organization that is interested in exploring the power and possibility of earned revenue as a sustainable funding method to support their mission and impact. Jillian is a four-time founder. So she's founded four different organizations. She has biked from Austin, Texas to Anchorage, Alaska. She became a single foster mom at the age of 26. And she is currently building a chatbot that is all about mind, body, spirit, helping to mentor and support adolescents who are struggling to find meaning and connection. So like who else feels like a complete underachiever and what the hell have I been doing with all of my time? Welcome to the show, Jillian. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Oh, you're so welcome. So I'm gonna begin with you today the way that I usually begin, which is, what is something that you have become aware of that either you or others were not paying attention to, either consciously or unconsciously? And then what's been the cost of that inattention? Yeah, I would say kind of just in line with the book I just wrote, it definitely comes down to the traditional ways that nonprofits generate income. And that's not to say, I mean, we have huge nonprofit hospitals. There are a lot of of nonprofits that are using earned revenue. Um, But when I entered the nonprofit space, I, one, was in my college dorm room. So (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, for the first about five years of building that nonprofit, I mean, all that was ever really brought to my attention was grants, donations, host your next event. And for those that have lived and breathed that, it's so tiring. You never know what your next, where your next donation is going to come from. Highly unpredictable. And it wasn't till kind of later on in that experience that I was even really introduced to the concept of earned revenue. And just all that you can do and improve by bringing kind of traditional, what I've seen as for-profit, just tools, tactics, the way you even organize your meetings, set your objectives, bringing those tools to further our missions on the nonprofit side. As I was developing what was at that time Carebox program, I was living with people who were launching for-profit companies. And I was watching their experience and, and their wins and their, and their setbacks. Sure. And learned so much in that process that I think what I became aware, I I know what I became aware of throughout that, the next five years was how much more positive and good we can do if we kind of mirror the two, nonprofit and for-profit. And I know there's, as I've been in this space for a while now, I mean, I've definitely come across people that'll say like... (laughs) you get the worst of both worlds. <laughs> but I've been fortunate to experience 
that there is a world in which you can take the best of both worlds and really kind of, yeah, just mirror them to make the highest impact. Awesome. So for anybody who is listening, who is thinking, well, I don't have a nonprofit. It may be that you're on the board of a nonprofit. It may be that you've been thinking about ah, something that makes your heart sing that you would love to do. And part of how people make those things happen is they create nonprofit organizations to do them. It may be that you are involved in a community organization or you've been feeling a calling to do that and haven't taken that step yet. So a lot of what we're going to be talking about today is really about nonprofits and how they work and how they can take those great tools from for-profit companies and be more sustainable for the long run. And there are probably going to be trip tricks and tips that Jillian is able to reveal to us, even as business owners or as leaders in organizations and for-profit companies that we may not have been doing so great. So buckle your seatbelt. There's going to be something here for everybody to learn. So I know back in the day when I was raising money for organizations and, you know, I never worked, I never wanted to work for a hospital or an educational institution or a big institutionalized organization. Every organization I worked for had a budget of less than $5 million and sometimes a lot less than $5 million. And, you know, how this meeting today went with somebody asking them for a donation could determine how well we're going to make payroll in two weeks. And that's a lot of pressure for people to be managing. It's part of why I eventually left the nonprofit world. And so as you started thinking about other strategies and strategies from the for-profit business world that are applicable to the nonprofit business world, take us through that. Yeah. My first experience, which was actually a fail, but I learned. (laughs) We learn the most sometimes (laughs) when things go wrong. So we had learned about earned revenue. We were determined to implement it. So our mission was, is, was, and still is delivering free care supplies to cancer patients to help prevent malnutrition infections and injuries from falls. And one of the ways that we went about doing that, we tested on literally using an Amazon registry at first to just kind of post a profile of needs, see if there were people interested in supporting. It went extremely well. It was granted in 24 hours. And I always joke, not from my mom and dad, (laughs) 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 which is a good sign. And so we launched a crowdfunding website. It was like a crowdfunding meets gift registry. So we were, were posting different patients' profiles that they had shared with us and their list of supplies that they were needing and invited people to come and and have almost a shopping experience to provide these supplies to patients that were in need. And I will say there were lots of wins with any company you're trying to launch. I mean, marketing and sales is a constant struggle, right? Um, We were right there when Facebook algorithms were awesome and you put a (laughs) dollar and it was granted overnight and we cheer. And then overnight it was, gone. Uh We played the influencer game a little. We got connected with a few people through our network and and that was amazing. We would have certain people share and and through their network, we were able to to generate 
a good amount, but, but one of the pieces that was really hard was trying to convince our donor fundraisers or our grants and our, our donations at that time, which a lot were really restrictive. Mm, yep. We needed funding to invest in the marketing and sales side. That was always, yep. and I could see the full picture. I'm like, it works. And we have a lot of positive impact that's going where our money's being spent, but you can't have an amazing engine if, if nothing's going to it. Right. And that was, that was right about, I would say like five or six years or probably six or seven years into building Carebox program. And that was really a, one of the, the biggest pieces of change for me of realizing one earned revenue can be hugely impactful in my next job. And, and I called myself a, an entrepreneur because I went into a larger organization and launched a, a company or a division. Uh-huh. And that was full focused earned revenue because of huh. what I had seen before uh-huh. and just the restricted nature of just traditional philanthropy. But, oh man, I forgot where I was going. <laughs> Brain fart. That's okay. Collect uh-huh. yourself. So we were talking about earned income and <laughs> why it's important for organizations. And oh, yeah. 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 And through all of those experiences, my position right now is when I think purpose with profit and I think earned revenue, I picture that can that can live within a nonprofit structure or a for-profit structure. And I've even seen where sometimes you can you can mirror the two side by side and the for-profit structure allows you more access to capital, more unrestricted capital that will take that purpose-driven mission even further potentially. So I've written Purpose with Profit, the book, to where anyone that just really wants to try and to figure out a way to build a business model using things like <laughs> metrics and sales and, and, and all the things that, that it does take to build a sustainable business model, yeah. but putting your impact and your purpose right front and center of all of the decisions you're making and how hard that's going to be, which is very hard because you will, I mean, you're going to be looking if, if you have $50,000 to spend, do I give $50,000 for free counseling to let's say survivors of sexual abuse, right? Or do I put that $50,000 into a business model that the big goal is that in a year or two, you would have $500,000 to put towards those services. And in a nonprofit, I feel we live in feast or famine and it is so hard to think of the long-term vision and, and actually work towards that. And, you know, I mean, I'm five years into having my own business and there are times of feast and famine here, you know, and and thinking strategically about exactly that question. Do I how do I spend my time? How do I spend our resources? Because, of course, time is a resource, time, money, energy, they are all our resources. What's the most effective use of that time? Is it, you know, serving clients? Is it furthering the mission of the organization? Is it making an investment in the business? And those are hard decisions, no matter, you know, what kind of business you're running. Yeah, no, absolutely. And And so walk us through a little bit 
So if somebody is out there and thinking, wow, this sounds pretty interesting, either for my business or my nonprofit, how would I go about starting to think, in addition to buying your book, how would I go about starting to think about creating those earned revenue sources? So if you are just at the very beginning stages in a space where, let's say you have a strong mission that that you're behind, Mm -hmm. you really want to help support, I'm just going to throw one out there, find adoptive owners for dogs and cats. And that's like your core mission. Yep. My first thing (laughs) before anything else, I would look at, at your team, your board, and just see what is the tolerance for risk because you are stepping into the unknown more than the unknowns that you previously didn't know. Uh And then secondly, I would sit there and just think, I mean, when it comes to creating earned revenue within a nonprofit, it has to be mission focused. Mm -hmm. So what is a way, what's an expertise that you carry that would provide value to another group or an audience that is mission aligned? So in that scenario, I would think, okay, you, let's say you've built a shelter. Mm -hmm. Would you be able to go and help train using your methodology that has been X, Y, and Z sustainable other communities on how to build a shelter model like that? And then you get down the line and you're thinking, do I want that to be a training book or whatever it might be? But again, that, that crucial mission component, because it's, it earned revenue at least in, in the way that I look at it, it's not meant to just be like, let me just look around my house and see what I can sell. One, I <laughs> illegal, but I am not a legal person. <laughs> but again, it just, it does have to be a, a good fit with, with something that is in line with your mission. That uh-huh. You know that when you're generating the income, it is furthering your impact and in not just focused on, on revenue. Yeah. I love that. So I want to get present for me and you and for our listeners to what that pressure is like for the people in nonprofit organizations whose job it is to raise the money. Because really, when we're thinking about earned revenue and, you know, what people often call making money while we sleep, you know, so a book is a source of earned revenue, making money while you sleep. You can be taking a nap and people can be out there buying your book. And so you're not trading goods, you're not, you're not trading your brain and, and doing that work for revenue. And so I don't know if I have the words to express what the pressure and the stress is of day in, day out, year in, year out, being accountable for other people's livelihood. I mean, obviously, if we're a business owner, we are accountable for other people's livelihood. But there's not a direct connection between what I do today and every other day meaning whether or not we're going to be able to pay our bills, pay our people, keep our lights on. You know, if I'm a business owner, yeah, maybe a tenth of my time, I'm actually pitching companies, organizations, buyers to purchase whatever it is that I'm selling. 
But when you're a fundraiser for an organization, every minute of every day, you are either asking people for money or planning to ask people for money. And so the how am I doing at my job today, that it's just it is a very difficult amount of pressure to manage. Yeah, I speak from personal experience there. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Uh, I can speak to my own experience. My my first business, Carebox program, I was executive director for almost seven years. We were a small organization, so I was kind of, for a very long time, the sole person that needed to make sure we could keep the lights on. Mm -hmm. And it's extremely overwhelming. It's not just, I mean, well, I'll, I'll give a little story. I built the organization for, let's say, four or five years. And it, it, I followed that momentum. I was so excited. Things just, we called it the universe. Things just happened and it was awesome. Let's write it on our whiteboard. And if we need chairs next week, they'll show up. <laughs> <laughs> and then overnight, I woke up and for whatever reason, I woke up that morning and the stress and weight just hit me. Mm-hmm. I realized I had four people that depended on my either success or failure for their right. literally livelihood. Some of them had children of their own to take care of. I had a single mom on the team. And then I looked around at, at the work we were doing. We were right. providing free care supplies to cancer patients. So I had the weight that that all the requests are not going to stop coming for the care supplies that we're needing. And we're not talking about kind of fun and nice to have. I'm talking at bedside toilet, mm-hmm. things that aren't covered by insurance, sadly. But right. as you can imagine, if that's where you are in your reality, right. what that simple item does for your quality of living. Right. I mean, that weight for me was so hard. I thankfully had an advisor. We were walking on, we're in Austin, so Town Lake. And I was just, I mean, in tears talking about just the overwhelming feeling that I'm having. And I, we were probably at a point where fundraising was, I'd given the pitch so many times and it just wasn't <laughs> for whatever reason unlocking the right doors. And I, right. I honestly, I just didn't have a network. I, I launched this in college. I, I, all of my peers were young, had not made money at, at jobs. <laughs> right. And she, she looked me in the eyes and she said, before you existed, where the way that where those cancer patients are now, if you didn't exist, would be the same place they were before you existed. So you are mm-hmm. only adding something that was not there. And I, I know I'm not getting the words right, but whatever it was just clicked in my mind. And it was like, okay, I will just keep continuing to try and add more positive impact. And, and there are going to be things that I just can't control. Right. And what I kind of a piece that as you were talking came up for me was when I think of traditional philanthropy, I always put people in, in two buckets. I'm like, as, whenever I was putting an ask together, it's like, you've got your hearts and feels, you've got the people that are tied to the mission. They don't really care about getting into the details of the minutia. You can show them a budget, but they're really just looking at like what the, the, the the impact that you're going to make. You're making the lives of people with cancer better. better. And that's literally all you have to say, better. Right. I'm making them better. 
And then you have what I call like the metrics driven people that uh-huh. they want to know exactly how you're going to make it better. What, what does better mean? How have you yep. captured that? How are you measuring that? How are you measuring that? <laughs> I want to yep. see every detailed financial line item with all the description next to it. And I'll think about it. But even in both of those positions, I remember we had a wall in our office that every time we wrote out a grant, we would post it on the wall. Or no, it wasn't when we posted at the beginning, but every time we got a letter back, whether we mm. got or did not get that grant, we wrote it on, posted it on the wall. Okay. I can guarantee you, we had the left half of our wall was huge, had so many, <laughs> and the right had about two. And uh-huh. those were the yeses. Right. Which I joke a little bit because as I'm talking about our wall, that was our first kind of funnel we had created of, of we reached <laughs> out and had these responses. But what I love about the concept of earned revenue, and, and again, we are stepping, everything is and is unknown. And it, people make every purchase off of emotions. When you look at creating a product to sell, which is a lot of what I go through, is is you're not creating a product. You have someone that has a problem, a specific problem. They're Googling how do I talk to my kid? <laughs> Whatever it right. might be. Right. And the, the science behind it for me is you have to find what is that specific solution that's going to do the job and meet the need for that person. Yep. And you can just do a ton of customer interviews, which I highly recommend, and get to that kind of puzzle piece component. Mm-hmm. And then I feel when you have that puzzle piece component, it becomes a total metrics science-driven world where you can build out your marketing and sales funnel. You can, you can know literally down to a science, you can look up a keyword online these days, see what the dollar value of that is to get a click and build the funnel out with, send people a white paper, nurture them in whatever way you can test things A and B. And at the end of the day, you get to a place where you kind of have a, you do have a machine, you know, if I put $10,000 at the top, it, 3% 3% of that converts at the bottom Yep. as you captured over time. Whereas on the nonprofit side, because it's a linear path, you've got a donor that's going to give you money and you're going to translate that to give the value to someone else. So there's not that loop that you can create where in earned revenue, I, someone's going to give me money. I give them value. So there's an immediate value add within that circle. Mm-hmm. And then I can take the surplus of that to provide a free value on the other side. Yeah. Which I, I mean, maybe there's, there's some solution and I just never got to it <laughs> on the nonprofit side. I mean, you can't get to the granular data that you can on the for-profit side. I mean, I could have 10 conversations with 10 different people, but that you don't have that value cycle. Yep. Yeah. And that's part of what I think is brilliant about this. And part of the reason that I wanted to go into what does it feel like when you are accountable for fundraising is in part because by adding this element, you can take some of that pressure off of your frontline people. And then that's going to enable them to be better, to be smarter, to be more, to listen better. So much about certainly individual fundraising is about listening well. And when you can do that without the pressure of this meeting has to go really well, 
because a we're we have to fulfill our mission, but b we have to pay 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 people, then everything is going to be smoother. And that's part of what I love about what you are what you've hit on in terms of the importance of this as a revenue stream for especially nonprofits, but really, you know, for any kind of organization. Yeah. <laughs> <You're listening. laughs> so am I correct in remembering that you guys are also launching a web portal that's created that's connected to the book yeah i'm putting together a training i mean the book you could just pick up and and kind of run with it but knowing where i started as a someone from the fully nonprofit side just stepping my toes into this world there's so many questions that are going to come up (laughs) and so i've started putting together a course it'll hopefully come out in the next few months but I, it's all off of a huge mural board I've created that walks you through every step of the process from idea to considering whether you even want to do this or not through building out your, I mean, getting very clear on your, your long-term vision um, and, and kind of challenging you there. Because again, this is a world where you're going to have a, a societal vision, but you're also going to have a financial vision and how can you mirror those two and yeah it's massive <laughs> i'm very excited to, to to get it out to people because i i know that i just look at these tools and, and the whole reason i've created this at all is when i when i launched was launching my companies and in reaching out for resources i would i would get connected to advisors and i would get to connected to to lots of amazing people which their idea definitely made it into the book sure. but there's a, a nonprofit lens that was just missing Mm -hmm. the culture the reality when you are in that sector the competing philosophies vision i mean i could throw every word at you right now right right right. yes (laughs) that i've really worked hard to try and, and take traditional just business tactics that work but include that nonprofit lens so you're you're asking the questions that are kind of on the edge because of your unique scenario Awesome. I love it. So they know me, we in this sentence, do you know what the URL is going to be for this portal yet? Yeah, it'll all be built off of sproutlysolutions.com. Okay. Great. And we have a sign up there if, if you want to get on the list. Definitely. Awesome. And, and all of that will be in the show notes. So please, everybody, make sure to go check out the show notes. There will also be a link to Jillian's brilliant book, if you want to go check that out as well. So as we start thinking about wrapping up, if you had a magic wand and you could have people pay attention to one thing, either something that we've been talking about or something else, what would it be and why? Oh, this is a random one that came up for me. (laughs) (laughs) Bring it. I would say the change cycle. If you look it up online, it'll come up. It's got red, blue, yellow, green. It has been a huge resource for me over time, surprisingly, especially as you are stepping into the world of launching earned revenue or really, I mean, 
it all is just the world of change management. <laughs> Whenever you're facing a big change, and, and what I've seen most valuable here is in kind of managing and communicating it to those around you that are working with you through this change. I am someone that I either have an idea and by the morning my website's launched uh, <laughs> or I'm faced with an obstacle and I am like, pivot. Okay. <laughs> well, I have learned that that is not everyone. <laughs> it's definitely worked with people, but that is not them. Uh-huh. And through the understanding the change cycle, it's in the book. Thankfully, I'm so grateful they were willing to to kind of share share it with me so that I could put it in the book. But it really walks you through that there's actually six different stages of change that really everyone goes through in any time they're confronted with a change. I, I, I joked the other day because I'm like, I'm like I use the chain cycle when I tell my wife I want to mix up the furniture in the living room because <laughs> I'm like, let's change it. <laughs> She's a lot. Right? She's like, no. <laughs> what, what has helped me understand is that when you have someone on the team that is more reserved towards the change, that sometimes the change is inevitable, or they say no. There are actual tools, tactics, and information you can provide to them to help get them through each of the different stages. So they might be just in a sense of loss. They've lost their comfort around what they they previously knew. And again, I just, I recommend it to anyone and everyone. It helped me immensely in my relationships with my colleagues, because at at first I would just (laughs) be frustrated. Right. Um, we all got to get on board and <laughs> come on people battle. And it helped me because I'm just the way my brain works. I'm like, now that I have a chart. Okay. Everyone's going through a cycle. Okay. Sarah's on stage three. <laughs> How can I get her to stage four? Rather than just seeing it as a no, shut the door. Uh-huh. Happening, which my second time launching an unearned revenue division walked into a large nonprofit and there were people the first day I was like, I'm really, I already knew of the change cycle. So I walked in with that mindset. Had mm-hmm. I not had that, I would have walked in there and been like, there's no way this is happening <laughs> because people aren't there yet. I then saw it as my role to comfortably walk people through the experience of the six stages to get us to a place where we could successfully build and launch what we were intending to do. Oh man. And what a wonderful resource because goodness knows in, in today's world, it feels like we're constantly managing change. You know, the world that we thought we would be in a month ago is not the world that we thought we would be in. And God knows, you know, the world that we thought we'd be in two years ago is not the world that we're in. And, you know, so we are all managing ourselves and our teams and our families and our communities through so much change right now and so much uncertainty. And I love tools. And so I am not familiar with this change cycle. And so I am super excited to go and check that out. And please, folks, if you go and check that out and you have comments that you want to share with us, put them in the comments on the website. Would love to hear your feedback and get your thoughts. 
So, Jillian, this has been a delight. Thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and your insights and your passion and your vision around how whatever it is that we're up to, for-profit, non-profit, we're, we're all in our own way, hopefully, working on making the world a better place. And so for your contributions to that, from my heart to yours, thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share my experiences today. I, in sitting down this past year and writing Purpose with Profit, it, I definitely, it's coming from a place of I'm, I'm here to help. I wanted to package the 10 years that I've had advisors throwing all types of information my way, tried, tested, thrown a lot out, <laughs> kept <laughs> quite a bit. I just want to make the experience of building a business for profit, nonprofit that is purpose driven. I want to share whatever I possibly can to help make your experience easier, less stressful, let you sleep easier at night. I've been there. I've cried many tears in the CEO seat. And please don't hesitate to reach out and and even just kind of chat about what you're going through and see how I can best support. Awesome. And we will also have in the show notes how to reach Jillian. (sighs) I am Janine Hamner-Holman, and this has been The Cost of Not Paying Attention. Remember, great leaders make great teams. Until next time. On behalf of Janine Hamner-Holman, thanks for paying attention. This has been The Cost of Not Paying Attention. Head on over to our website, www.janinehamner.com forward slash podcast for access to the show notes as well as additional resources. Remember, great leaders make great teams. Anxiety.